we've spent the month looking at the fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness. One of the things I hope we've caught is that faithfulness always comes in the context of a relationship. We looked at Jeremiah. We looked at the book of Lamentations. And Jeremiah knew God's promises. And so he was able to say, great is your faithfulness. We looked at Acts chapter 2. For two weeks, we looked at Acts chapter 2. And we saw the church there in the book of Acts. They were all together. They had everything in common. They were in relationship with each other. And that pointed to God's faithfulness to them all. Faithfulness, in fact, does not exist outside the context of a relationship. You know, outside of a relationship, we may talk about duty or we may talk about obligation to someone, maybe a boss or some other relationship, but we can't talk about faithfulness. And without faithfulness, we can't talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, it lacks the presence of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to human relationships, we would have to admit that far too often faithfulness goes hand in hand with fear. We live in fear. If we're not able to keep someone happy, they won't be faithful to us. If I can't provide what this person needs, or more likely what they want, I will lose their faithfulness. And it's sad that we think in those terms. But if we're honest, we do that. And even worse, too often we bring that kind of fear into our relationship with God. And it doesn't belong there. Because faithfulness is His idea. He's the one that calls us into relationship. Today we're going to be looking at one of Jesus' parables. It's from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. It's page 830, I think, in those Bibles in front of you. This passage is a parable. It's a story that Jesus tells to describe the kind of commitment that he's looking for. And there's a couple of things that we just need to get in our heads before we look at this parable so we can understand it. First of all, we call this the parable of the talents. And the word talent is not used in the way that you and I normally use the word. We might talk about someone having a talent and something that they're able to do. I can juggle. Maybe you can cook. I can eat. We should definitely get those talents together. Or, or maybe you can sing or you can play guitar. But here, a talent is something very different. A talent is it's a unit of wealth, not so much a, a, a currency, but a unit of wealth. One talent was worth 20 years' wages. Now, the second thing that we need to understand is that Jesus tells this parable, along with a few others, about what we should expect when He returns, what it's going to be like when He comes back for us. And so we need to listen to this parable and we need to recognize that a day will come, whether in this life or in the life after, where this parable will be played out with you and me. We are to be ready for this parable. And so we begin reading in Matthew 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. 
But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Well, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten talents, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to think about that. Five talents, and each talent is worth 20 years' wages. That's 100 years' worth of wages. Even the man who received the two talents, that's 40 years' worth of wages. That's pretty much a lifetime of work. And even the one that received just the one, that's still 20 years' worth of wages. That is a huge amount of wealth and a huge amount of trust on the part of the master. And I think we are to notice that this master trusts his servants. And in that trust, Jesus wants us to see that it is God who shows us what faithfulness means. The parable begins, this man is going away on a journey. That man obviously is to represent God to us. While he is gone, he entrusts all of his property to his servants. Why? Why his servants? Why these people? I mean, we have another parable Jesus tells about a shrewd business manager. Why not trust your property to the business manager or to a banker? Well, maybe we understand why you don't trust a banker or an accountant or, or, or an investor, someone with, with experience. That would make sense. But he entrusts the talents to these servants and then he goes away. There's a very important little detail that is very easy to miss. In verse 15, it tells us that he gave to each according to his ability. This master knew his servants' abilities. He knew what each one of them was capable of doing. He knew their hearts. And so it's not so much about what the talents were worth, but what the servants were worth and what the servants could do. In business terms, we talk about an, a return on investment, an ROI. What am I going to get back compared to what it's going to cost me? Is it going to cost me just a little? And can I expect a big return? And with that in mind, with a return on investment in mind, the servant with the one talent may have had more potential, more ROI than the one with the five talents. God is far more aware of our ability than you and I. 
He knows our potential. I asked a couple ladies if they would help me, if they would bring in some artwork for me. And um, Cindy Webb brought in this saw. And Donna Goddard, Donna Goddard, God bless her, she went out and painted this saw for me. And, and I love works of art like this. I think this is what we call Americana, isn't it? That's kind of an Americana thing. I love when someone takes something ordinary and turns it into something beautiful. And you look at something like this old saw. I mean, this, first of all, well, this is grandpa's saw, so it has some value to, really just to your family. But, but you look at a blade like this, it's old, it's, it's rusted, <laughs> it's dull, it's not as sharp as it used to be. The, the handle's even broken here. And yet, your son painted this, didn't he? Yeah. And so, this has value to you. It has new value, more value now. Because your son, well, just imagine if someone famous, well, what if we found the, the lost saw of Bob Ross, you know, with a happy little train on it? You know, wouldn't that be great? I mean, we, it, could be, it could be priceless if we found something like that. And I, I think about the way that the master trusted these servants and gave according to their ability. And I think about the way that God loves us. God's not just looking at who you are. You might be beat up. You might be a little rusty. You might not be as sharp as you used to be. You may even be broken. But he sees the potential of your ability and what you're able to become. That is his faithfulness to us. First Corinthians chapter one, verses seven through nine, Paul wrote to his friends in the Corinthian church and he said, you are not lacking in any gift. Isn't that great? You are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you hear that promise? You are not lacking in any gift. There are times when you and I don't see that. We don't see the potential that we have. We get stuck in who we are. And instead of rejoicing in, in who we're becoming, we get stuck in who we are and where we are now. Your Heavenly Father knows your ability. He is faithful to you. Can we return that to Him? And that's the big question with us. Because if God shows us what faithfulness really means and we continue to be unfaithful to Him, then what we have to admit is that our unfaithfulness points to a broken relationship with God. It's, it's easy to misunderstand this story. We want to make this story about productivity. And the point isn't about how productive we are, how much money we have, or how successful we are. The story is about faithfulness. Look again at verses 20 and 21. He who had received the, the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Same way, the second servant received two talents. He brings two talents more. What does the master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You hear those words, good and faithful. That should cause us to stop and ask, am I faithful to God the way that He is faithful to me? Am I trusting in what He's doing in me? Do I know what He's doing with me? And then we come to that third servant, the last servant. Verse 24 says, He also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, 
I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. I want to ask you, does does that really sound like God? To reap where he has not sown, to, to gather where he is not scattered. We've got some farmers in the audience today, and farmers, I think you would know that you can't reap where you have not scattered. You cannot harvest where you have not sown unless you're harvesting someone else's field, unless you're stealing from someone else. And, and you really shouldn't do that. That's frowned upon, isn't it? Does that sound like the lesson that Jesus is teaching? Does that sound like faithfulness? No, the point is this. This servant did not know his master. And instead, he was afraid of his master. Instead of faithfulness, he was offering him fear. He did nothing. He was not faithful. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 tell us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That list of virtues stands in opposition to another list that Paul gives us in that passage, a list that he calls the works of the flesh. And he says in verses 19 through 21, now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, they're obvious when you see them. You know these are not from God. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, if you were to characterize those works of the flesh in one word, you might choose the word unfaithfulness. Whether sexual immorality or idolatry, hatred or jealousy or drunkenness, all of them, each of them are a matter of being unfaithful to God, unfaithful to His character, unfaithful to who He has called us to be and to the example that He has set for us of what it means to be faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't say that to the third servant. Instead, to the third servant, He says, you wicked and slothful servant. I read what he did. I, rather, I read what he didn't do with his master's wealth. And yeah, he was unfaithful. But he doesn't say, you unfaithful servant. He calls him slothful, which means lazy. Too often, we, we think of the opposite of faithfulness as unfaithfulness. I mean, that makes sense, right? But what this master's words show us is that unfaithfulness is simply the, the lack of faithfulness. The enemy of faithfulness, to me, is, seems to be laziness, or maybe more likely inconvenience. We don't want the hassle. We don't want the work. We don't want the effort. We just want to sit and be entertained and let somebody else serve. But I have to ask, what reward is there in that? What hope is there in that? Is that being faithful to who God has created us to be? Is that being faithful to what He knows our abilities to be? And so if we're to really understand faithfulness, I don't think it's just a matter of knowing God the way He knows you. I believe the call to faithfulness is the call to know yourself as God knows you. Verse 15, He gave to each one according to His ability. And then verse 24, the, 
the third servant says, I knew you were a hard man. <laughs> a hard man? He's just given away 160 years worth of wages. How is this a hard man? The problem is the, the third servant didn't know the master. He didn't know his heart. And because he didn't know the master, he never really knew himself. He didn't know what he was truly capable of doing, who he was capable of being. I got to be honest with you, I hear a lot of people, a lot of people who tell me what they can't do. I can't do that. I can't serve. I, I can't help. I can't work with youth. I can't work with the junior church. I, I can't work with older people. I can't put my name on a volunteer list. I can't share my faith with others. But what does God say? What does the master say to each according to his ability God never says you can't. God always says you can. And do you hear the master's blessing? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Sometimes I wonder. If we're afraid of the little challenges today, if we don't take those little steps today, what's going to happen when the big challenges come? What happens when faithfulness isn't just about service? What happens when suddenly it's about survival? The survival of your livelihood, the survival of your family, your, your physical survival if you're faithful to God. What happens when our faith is put to the test and we haven't been faithful in the little things? Our inconveniences, those aren't going to get us through the tough times. We need to give ourselves today to who God knows we are. You know, the last book in your Bible is, is Revelation, and Revelation is Jesus' message to seven churches. And he writes in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, that kind of faithfulness doesn't start on the day of testing. It doesn't start on the day when your life crumbles in. It doesn't start on the day when the doctor delivers that diagnosis you never wanted to hear or you get that call that someone who's always been there is gone and they're never coming back. That kind of faithfulness begins now as we serve, as we love, as we live up to who He knows we are. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I think it's the little where we're tested. Where we prove we know God. We prove we know ourselves. In the day in, day out acts of just living like a Christian, serving like a Christian, living up to our calling. That's where our master reveals himself and that's where he rewards us. God knows your heart. He knows your heart better than you do. He knows your abilities better than you do. So, so often we're motivated by fear. No, we're, we're not motivated by fear. We are paralyzed by fear. What will other people think? What if I try and I fail? What if I'm not good enough? 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, Perfect love casts out fear. God loves you perfectly. He knows you perfectly. So what do you have to be afraid of? Know yourself the way He knows you. Serve the way He has called you to serve. I think about those words, well done, 
good and faithful servant. God longs to say that to us. He longs to say that not just to people in this room, but but the people out there. I had an encounter this week with a guy. He stopped by and we got to talk. And this guy's going through some some real, I mean, some terrible stuff. This guy's going through a very difficult time. And we talked for a while. And one of the big issues is he right now he's very lonely. And so we talked and talked. And I said, hey, we would love to have you over on a, on a Sunday morning. We'd love to have you come. I said, we got donuts. We got, we got a, a lot of people who would just love to greet you and, and talk with you and, and, and just share some time with you. And, and he said, nah. He said, I can't do that. I said, well, sure you can. Come on in. He said, no, that's not for me. And, and, and hear me, that's not an indictment against this church. This church is some of the most welcoming and encouraging people I've ever known. I, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you, welcoming and encouraging me. But he said, I'm too far gone. You hear that? He said, I'm too far gone. Someone's told him that. Someone's told him that he's worthless. Someone's told him that he's not worth the time. And now he finally is telling himself that. And I wonder if anyone's ever said, well done, good and faithful. He's never going to open his Bible and read those words. He's never going to hear a sermon as good as this one and hear those words. But he might just talk to you. And he might just talk to me. We ought to be speaking God's words to him. I want to do something a little different today as we close. First of all, let me just ask if you'd stand with me, please. You know, Paul wrote two letters to the church in Thessalonica, and that was a church that had a lot of trouble. That was a church that that had trouble serving and trouble committing. And so Paul's encouragement to them was that they looked to Jesus. They looked to Jesus' example, but also to Jesus' commitment to them, the faithfulness that he had shown them. And he concludes 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5 with a doxology. A doxology is like a prayer where we just express glory to God. And it's a way of giving glory to God and reminding ourselves of all of His faithfulness to, to us. So as we stand together, would you just read the words on the screen with me? These are the words of 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Go in peace.